0: And welcome to Thrift Shop Biography. This is the one about Anthony Bourdain. Thank you for listening. Hello. Hello. So this week, we've been reading Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. Is it an autobiography? Yeah, it is. So it is, even though it talks about kitchens and food a lot, you would class this as an autobiography. Yes, because he
1: starts when he's young and he goes through the whole journey of his life with food. Yes, he doesn't talk much about anything else, but he doesn't have time to have any other life outside it.
0: Outside the food.
1: Yeah, he says it's like a 17-hour day a lot of the time. Yeah. And when he's out of a job, then he's moping about. Depressed and lying in bed and smoking cigarettes. So, yeah, actually, that's his whole life in that book.
0: Yeah, OK. He really is. He yeah. just doesn't all bang right. on about his childhood. Which are kind of sometimes my favourite autobiographies. Got uh, yeah, honest. I
1: love that. I think we're learning. They're all so different. Yeah. But they're essentially, if you talk about your life, it's an autobiography, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I guess so. So tell me how you felt about Anthony Bourdain before you read this book. All
1: right. For the first time ever, I'd never heard of this person. Oh, i never really? even
0: heard of him. Wow. I'd
1: have said if I saw the, the word Bourdain.
0: Bourdain. Oh, do you know what? I'm saying Bourdain.
1: It is Bourdain.
0: Okay. But I'd have good. said Bourdain because I'd have Bourdain. put some
1: fancy French, French name, for a nice French chef. <laughs> no, have, I had no clue at all. And I've since learned that he's pretty famous. He had loads of TV shows. Yeah. And they even made because this book's called Kitchen Confidential. Mm-hmm. They even made a TV series out of it with Bradley Cooper playing him.
0: I didn't even know that. Oh,
1: yeah, right. What about you?
0: Oh, I was very aware of him. I've been spending a lot of time in America where he's much better known than he is over here. Yeah, and also, do you follow chef people? No, but he's he's a pundit over there. He's, he doesn't just talk about... Food. He does travel shows and stuff as well. Oh,
1: because he's a cultural. Yeah, he's kind of crossed
0: over, and but he's very well known. I mean, he came to prominence with this book,
1: Kitchen Confidential. Yeah, yeah, and
0: that only came out two thousand. Yeah, he wrote an article for the New York Times or New Yorker magazine or something, which. Piqued a lot of interest and he got the book deal from that. As we know now, we've read this book like the first 40 44 or something it was when
1: he wrote this. Yeah,
0: he's just a, a chef. Well, oh, just yeah. a chef. But he's a it,
1: hard-working yeah. chef. Yeah,
0: but then he crossed over and got the media yeah, career so this after bit like, he wrote this book. Yeah, so it's yeah. a bit
1: like Obama's in that he was a lawyer when he wrote the book and then he became the president. Yes. It's just yeah. like that. So yeah. you get the real honest account of his life because if he'd... Become a famous celebrity chef, would he have dared to jeopardise mm-hmm. it all by telling the truth? <laughs> yeah. But it's the truth that got him famous.
0: Yeah. It's a hard truth. Shall we get started? Shall we? <laughs> so, like you say, he doesn't talk about his childhood a lot. No. So we don't go through all that born here and yeah. there. So we kind of meet him when he's on holiday with his parents and he's a young boy and he's got a brother, yeah. right? Yeah, They're a well-to-do family, right? Yeah, They're posh. they got money.
1: Who's French? Is it his- Dad, uh... Well, it's Bourdain. Oh, yeah, of course it is. It's his dad. <laughs> and they're New Yorkers, very much New Yorkers. So they've gone on holiday to France because it yeah. must be his dad's family.
0: But they like food. They do like food. The thing that gets Anthony interested in food... It's weird talking about food because obviously we all eat every day. Yeah. But in food as a thing yeah, is when... His parents go to a posh restaurant in France yeah. and they leave the brothers in the car. So then Anthony and his brother are sat oh, By the th-
1: way, I think it might be Anthony. 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 I could say Is Anthony. Is it
0: annoying if people that are called Anthony, are they annoyed that you don't call them well, Anthony? I know an Anthony
1: in Britain.
0: And would he get annoyed that you don't What's call It's just him? his
1: name. He's called Anthony.
0: But hang on, this is Anthony.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. About, it
0: has an H in it, or right? Lane.
1: They just call him Anthony. I've watched Who a few do documentaries. You? Oh, okay. I've watched a few interviews. All
0: right, because I've just been reading the books. So it's written down.
1: Oh yeah, you're
0: right. So Anthony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you were saying we should call them Anthony. Well, we, should, we
1: probably should because if he's really famous in America, they'll know him as Anthony. Do you know? Name. Yeah,
0: I know. When you'd like to to me, just calling somebody Anthony and Anthony, there's no difference. But I worked with a woman once called Tanya, and I used to call her Tanya, and it, it's a it's, difference. It's a yeah, real difference, and she told difference. me, "No, my name is Tanya, not Tanya. Yeah. It's a different name." Yeah. And I just thought, what's a big deal? But it is a big yeah. deal. Okay, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> you better be right. Anthony Bourdain? Anthony Bourdain?
1: Bourdain. Okay. All right.
0: Him and his brother are sat in the car while his parents go in to the posh, fresh restaurant.
1: Posh, fresh restaurant. Fresh.
0: Did I say fresh? Yeah. French.
1: Posh, fresh, French restaurant.
0: (laughs) It's a posh, French restaurant that serves fresh, French food.
1: (laughs) Anyway, yeah.
0: So he realises from a young age that food can be something more Mm. than what you just eat every day. It can kind of be something that you go out and do food can be an event
1: yeah he learned that because they went and ate and left them in the car for three hours (laughs) and he said that on that trip before he was whinging and moaning about every single thing he ate and then after they got left in the car for three hours he went that's it i'm gonna eat everything i'm gonna show them they're not gonna leave me in the car again so he started to eat everything and started to actually enjoy the adventure of it everything Things with heads, things with eyeballs, everything, yeah, yeah, but he was on the way over there on the boat that he had soup,
0: vichy soir,
1: yeah, and he said the first shock was that it was cold, yes, and the second shock was how amazing it tasted. Ugh. that was his first epiphany I... about food,
0: that just told me that he was quite an odd little boy. What? We what, all have what? epiphanies
1: about something. It might be music for you or theatre for me or something.
0: No, for him it was cold soup. Co- yeah,
1: but something completely different. <laughs> I bet it was
0: tasty. It, do you know what vici is? No. It's like leek and potato soup, but it's cold.
1: Oh, right. It's I've horrible. got to say, I'm really ignorant about food. I've learned a lot in this book but it's so packed full of facts and I can't oh I'm never gonna remember what sauce is this or what you put in that filet this oh bloody hell so much information and I'm not even a foodie I'm an ignoramus about food
0: I know that you would live off cheese on toast if you could I would I mean you often do
1: yes <laughs> I'm a cheese sandwich girl <laughs> yeah so yeah I've, I must put that disclaimer out here right now well, I'm very... This is a very ignorant subject for
0: me. I'm the same.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I like my food, but I don't cook.
1: No.
0: I don't think I've ever put a meal you together, a... really. I microwave yeah. stuff. No, you're and... not a big restaurant. No, I mean, I go out to eat. I would never... Here's the difference. I go out somewhere local for a quick supper or whatever. Yeah. I'd never want to go eat as for a reason to go out. Like, yes. make a night. You know how yes. some people make a night out of going to a restaurant like yes. they would going to the theatre never done that
1: exactly yeah. so yeah we're well out of our depth here
0: but then I think that's why reading the book was, no, so, it, was is, it was refreshing if
1: it interests us completely would yes. you, were you absolutely utterly absorbed by this yes book? I
0: found it as refreshing as a vichyssoise.
1: <laughs> see we're educated now <laughs> Well, I did too. And if I love this book as a non-foodie, a foodie's going to bloody pour over this book.
0: It was very engaging and exciting and compelling. Yeah. 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 And he did that to us talking about food.
1: Yeah, amazing.
0: And the assholes who make it. He actually
1: made me listen. Anyway. Oh, yeah. And then his other epiphany was eating an oyster for the first time.
0: I mean, again, what an odd little boy. What 10-year-old likes oysters?
1: There's got to be one of everybody else. We can't get the world working properly. And he's a chef. Thank God, yeah. if there were no chefs, we wouldn't get nice food.
0: Do you know what? It's funny because I think until then, everywhere they went, him and his brother would just eat burger and chips, wouldn't yeah. they? And then they were kind of flipped by the vichy soir, and then he was straight onto oysters. Yeah. I, 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 kids are notoriously fussy about food. Like... Kids don't eat olives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not open to new tastes, yeah, are no. they, normally? No, so it
1: only happened... He was 10 years old when it always happened, but it wasn't just the taste, although he said it tastes like the sea... And,
0: you know, have you the, ever had an oyster? Yeah,
1: and I, remember, I thought exactly the same. I thought, I'm in the rock pool on holiday as a kid. It totally took me there. Really? And he need to have the same feeling, but to him it was more than that because it was like he felt it was a coming of age. He felt like after that he was a man. It was like losing his food virginity. Now he's a man. He can go out into the world and eat anything because he, he's arrived. He ate an oyster and liked it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never had one. Oh, right doesn't appeal to me. I'm not going to have one now. No, it's,
1: it's, you know, essentially gross. It's essentially like the things but, you see on those programmes on TV, the
0: celebrity jungle. But the reason that it doesn't appeal to me is because it's not really food. You don't eat it, do you? You suppose gob down. Oh, I've always had a bit of a chew. Have you? Yes. <laughs> it's very common to chew an oyster. Yeah,
1: well, I'm like, I just want to, I don't know.
0: Get your money's worth. Yeah. I, know, I know you. <laughs>
1: He does kind of put me off muscles in this book. He basically says, don't eat mussels unless you've checked them yourself. Yeah. Unless you know the chef has checked every single one because one just floored him. And then he'll go on to say, I eat everything and I love the mussels here and that there. And he's he's full of contradictions.
0: Full of contradictions. But
1: he does point them out.
0: Yeah. But he was turned on to food quite quickly as a young boy. Like serious food. Yeah. yeah,
1: trying absolutely everything from 10 onwards.
0: But do you know what? Then he becomes a teenager and he kind of becomes a dropout, really. Yeah. He's just into drugs, yeah, he smokes often, a lot of weed.
1: Yeah, he often refers to himself as having a criminal mind.
0: We'll get on to it, but I do think that... <laughs> Chefs kind of almost need to be a certain type of person. Well,
1: he tells us this.
0: Yeah, to survive in that atmosphere. And I think that is his... He's the right personality to do that.
1: How he stumbles upon the job, he's gone to college.
0: Yeah, he was at Vassa College. College. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then the first summer, a bunch of them said, let's get a house together in Provincetown. Provincetown, yeah. Anyway, it's in Massachusetts. It's on the water and he just goes to get a job at this place called Dreadnought, which is a seafood restaurant on the water, which is serving tons of tourists every day and night. And he finds this world of what he calls them all pirates. They've all got gold earrings. Note, he's got a gold earring now. All oh, right. Yeah. And they're basically pirate characters. They're cutthroat.
0: The people in the
1: kitchen. All the people who work in the kitchens. And he just loves it. He totally hero-worships these people. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Well... How long have we got? Because these descriptions he gives us of these people.
0: Yeah.
1: He selects certain characters, certain pirate characters. The head chef at the Dreadnought is who he wants to be. The moment he realises this is when a bridal party come in <laughs> for their fish dinner and the bride's popped in the kitchen to see if she can get some hash, first of all. Yeah. Yeah, and then she pops back and says something to the chef and he has his beaming grin and the next thing you know, he's like, can you just look after this for a minute? And runs out the back. And they all look out the window. And right out there by the bins, he's banging this bride with her <laughs> dress up. And in that moment, Anthony Bourdain says, I have to be a chef. Yeah. That's what I want.
0: That's, it was that moment. I yeah. know, that has and made me laugh so be. much. Yeah.
1: I, love- <laughs> I tell you what, it's rock and roll. And there yeah. are comparisons. He's really into his music. But it's literally the motley crew of cooking
0: can i just say before he gets to the dreadnought um restaurant to work the one thing that didn't quite fit into this whole journey of him being a little boy who loved food to his entry-level restaurant job is that he moved to provincetown with his friends and he was a stoner And all of his friends had jobs in various restaurants. That's why they go there, because of all the seasonal work. Anthony Bourdain stayed on the sofa, smoking dope and bumming food off them. He was just being a real dropout. And eventually he had zero money. And one of them said, we need a pot washer at the Dreadnought to come. And that's why he went to the Dreadnought. In a way... It was a bit incongruous with that brilliant beginning of him being a kid that was so into food. And then for some, somehow, his teenage years, he seriously dropped out.
1: Yeah, I guess that's just becoming a stoner. And drinker, he basically really rock and rolled himself up. Plus, he
0: was a rich kid as well. Yeah. So he might not have had that work ethic. It is odd that he's a rich
1: kid because he doesn't seem to get any handouts. Because he's worked very, very hard his whole life. So no matter what his start was, he was left to fend for
0: himself. I think sometimes, perhaps then, a teenager rich kid might rebel by dropping out. Yeah,
1: I think that's probably right. He actually says when he walked, was it the next summer when he walked back into that restaurant to get another job? He had his Pierre Cardin suit (laughs) in a shimmering blue and matching shoes and he realised what an utter asshole he'd made of himself yeah. when he asked for some burn cream <laughs> that's a really good moment it's the same bloke again the chef he's like burn cream and he walked up to him and just put both of his hands in Anthony's face and just look at my hands and they're like gnarly nobbled rhinosaur rhinosaur, yeah. rhinosaur. Rhin- rhinoceros. <laughs>
0: The hands. rhinoceroses have nobbly knobbly, blistered yeah, hands yeah, yeah. from working at the broiler That's all day right.
1: long. <laughs> anyway, even, that, even him showing him his knobbly hands, he feels like, what an asshole I am asking yeah. for burn cream. But he also looks at them and goes, I want those hands. He totally hero-worships this man. Yeah, And he ends up with those hands, he says in this book. Mm-hmm. There's a whole chapter where he tours you round his hands.
0: It's kind of like the battle scars to yeah, be proud Yeah, it really of, is. Do you know what? I this is going to sound weird. That whole chapter about his hands, and he really describes it. He said, this hands have rubbed every kind of spice in. They've been burnt. They've been fried. Sliced so yeah. much. All I can think of is, I bet his hands taste really nice. Oh, my God. <laughs> All the flavours. Yeah. Tattooed in. Yeah. Oh. I, I bet they do. I yeah. bet that chef's hands taste nice. Yeah. I feel hungry now, I must say. Do you? Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? No, we're talking about food.
1: Following up hands. Yeah. <laughs> Novelly hands at that.
0: <laughs> Novelly rhinoceros <laughs> hands. Oh, by the way, before we go any further, you know, sometimes when we talk about singers or actors, yeah. we end up not being able to talk about every film or every album oh, because yeah. it just turns out to be so many. That's going to be the case here with Anthony oh, yeah. and restaurants.
1: Definitely. Because
0: there's a lot. There's right? loads. Yeah. Oh, yeah and it gets to the point where now we're talking about it trying to remember this book we've just read i can't remember what incident happened in what no, restaurant and if you want you to know the details go and read the book cuz it's hugely entertaining yeah, yeah yeah it's good fun yeah it really
1: is yeah. it's extremely informative to be honest i'm never going to forget it because when i eat out again i'm going to be thinking about what's going on back there and who's doing it plus by the way i need, i meant to google what a, shoes, a sous, sous chef, chef is sous <laughs> <laughs> A sous
0: chef. A sous chef is a chef under... It's like the vice president.
1: Right, right. So the the chef would be going, I need this, I need that.
0: Yeah, second in command.
1: Second in command. Yeah. Yeah, okay. He does go back and forth from stuff that happens to general chapters about what it's like just being in the kitchen. The characters, the cast of this thing, it's amazing because it's definitely different in uh, America than it would be in Britain because just the nationalities. Because Ecuadorians, Colombians, Salvadorians... They're often refugees. It obviously often got dubious passport issues and stuff, but they're unbelievably skilled and unbelievably hardworking and reliable. And once you get those people on your side, and they're his friends. Oh, my God, it's so complex, his world, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot in the chefing world, in the kitchen world, of, like, making alliances. And when you meet somebody who's good with a good work ethic, you really hang on to them. Yeah and you keep in touch with them and maybe when you go to another restaurant you take them, you with, take them, them with you but yeah. then there's
1: another bit where he's talking about how you have to know everything that's going on in all the restaurants in town and you phone people and you talk to people you take them out of drinks and you know if that one's a bit unhappy mm-hmm. you can probably rob them or if that one's thinking of leaving or if that one's thinking of leaving they might rob your person so you've got to make sure they don't go uh, it's, it's this whole network yeah. and that's just one element Never mind the rest of it. There's tons and tons of drugs and alcohol. So much. With all of them. And tons of them are in and out of prison.
0: Yeah, it seems to be a vocation that attracts a lot of convicts. In fact, one of the restaurants he talks about is entirely staffed by ex-convicts, I should say. I mean, I guess it's a good environment to start off again in.
1: Maybe, but they're really skilled as well It's not just like Well, they probably learn it in prison, don't they? Maybe But it is, it's really the underworld, isn't yeah. it? Yeah And actually, he does work for a restaurant in New York I think it's Greenwich Village That is actually the Mafia It's this bloke who was in prison But he wouldn't rat on his family So he takes a hit and goes to prison So when he comes out, they give him a restaurant mm-hmm. They want it to succeed But it's entirely staffed by people on day release because he actually says, it's great because I absolutely know they'll show up for work. Because if they don't,
0: yeah, right, <laughs> they're in prison. Yeah, So
1: they'll never let him down.
0: <laughs> I think one of the prisons around here, they have a restaurant, a cafe that you can go to, right?
1: Oh, that's really good.
0: Yeah, I forget where it is.
1: So you, <laughs> you put a razor blade in your leftovers and send it back? <laughs>
0: <laughs> After his first couple of chefing jobs in Provincetown, he then decides... I need to go and learn the trade properly. So he goes to the CIA, which is the Culinary Institute of America. He's kind of slightly better than a lot of the students because he's taken time out and he's worked in a kitchen for a couple of years. So he's a couple of years older and he already has his basic chopping and
1: stuff. He, he does. But he does say it's hard to get into that place. Um, but a friend of his parents knew somebody and talked to so-and-so and got him straight in. Ah, uh, so right. that's a little handout he had. But he obviously is good. And it's really amazing what you learn at chef school, isn't it? Like the whole thing about meat, it's almost learning to be a doctor. (laughs) It's it's flesh, you know, how to deal with flesh of all sorts of animals. It's real carnage, though. I mean, literally carnival carnage, isn't it? Just how to get a whole cow and chop it into what section. It's total teaching of butchery. All of that is, is madness. It's like hospitals talk. Yeah, Think it's a what,
0: body of a living anatomies thing. Anatomies of things. Yeah. It is. There's so, a lot to learn.
1: Yeah, it's loads to learn. And he said they chop everything up and then send it to the other department and they cook it up and then they'd all end up eating it. By the way, whilst we're on animals, he despises vegetarians.
0: Well, do you know what? Right. Yes. Got a bone to pick with him. Hey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Because he says, and I quote, Vegetarians are the enemy of everything good and decent in the human spirit, an affront to all I stand for, the pure enjoyment of food. Yes. I don't think that's a quote of a good chef. A good chef should be able to make anything enjoyable. I agree.
1: He's so passionate about food. I'm going to let that pass. But he says at one point, uh, there's a veal sauce that every chef likes to put into everything because it just makes everything taste amazing. So I can imagine it. if you're an artist, it'd be like taking away turquoise or something, you know. You're like, but I need it because that's for my palette, you know. It, it goes with everything. It makes it, that's my art, and you've taken away one colour, you know, I guess. Yeah,
0: but then you wouldn't say all art without turquoise is an affront to everything I stand for, would you? Well,
1: you couldn't paint the sea, you couldn't paint the sky.
0: No, but you be... would get something close using the other ingredients, Yeah, but if right? I was
1: a very passionate, flamboyant artist, I might go around saying that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I kind of get that. I think this quote is in line with the toxic machismo of the commercial yes. kitchen. I also think this book was written 20 years ago, and I actually think in the last 10 years even... Vegetarianism and veganism has just accelerated in yes. leaps and bounds. Yeah.
1: he'd probably still say the same though, because that's who he is. He's such a meat person. I was trying to understand where he's coming from, but also he says that it's really, really rude if you go to a lot of countries in the world to not eat their food and it's usually meat and it's culturally, socially really rude to say, I don't eat that.
0: Um, so he, that's But bullshit. he said
1: he respects vegetarians who would make an exception in certain cultures.
0: Just think... respect vegetarians for their choice not to eat <laughs> living animals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you know what the next paragraph was after this?
1: What?
0: So after he did this awful yes. diatribe yes. against vegetarians, the next paragraph was, chickens are full of salmonella, they eat their own faeces. Yeah. Oh, and don't order the shrimp.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's just better to be
0: vegetarian. (laughs)
1: Chickens are the thing that are most likely to make you ill of any food. Yeah. Yeah, I know.
0: I did think there was a certain amount of male bravado in this book, and I think eating meat is part of that.
1: Yes, that's true. And he does constantly talk about the amount of testosterone in the kitchen. He talks about it being a very male environment. It's how many ways can you talk about your balls? Penetrating somebody in their rectum. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's all that talk, and he says it's not conducive to having women in the environment at all. Of course, it, it's not conducive them, to
0: having men. In the no, house.
1: some of them manage to put up with it, and it's not about taking anything personally. It's about how you absorb it and also how you fight back. But it's just I, banter. Th- mm,
0: I think that was him. He, I think he explained it too much in the book. I think. The book came across to me when he's explaining all of this hyper-masculine kitchen. He's kind of almost saying, oh, everybody behaved really terribly, and so did I. But I'm not like that now. You know, I'm kind of one of the good guys. It's just like if you were part of that, then you were part of that.
1: There's another chapter where he goes just to watch another restaurant, a legendary bloke called Scott Bryan, I think it is. And he says, everything I've said is a lie. I said, this couldn't happen. It did happen. I was watching them. I was looking for the head chef and I looked all round past this woman. Oh, I must have been on work experience. I ended up looking back and realising she was absolutely in charge of everything. She was totally calm. She was, everything was clean. There wasn't a speck of spillage on her. So I was wrong. You know, and then he goes, well, maybe they're panicking outside. Everyone was nice to each other. there was calm. Well, it doesn't have to be how he says it. No, it doesn't. And if you read that whole book and gave up before the end, you wouldn't, didn't read that chapter. You'd think that's all kitchens, but it isn't all of them.
0: I mean, it's a lot of them. Must be. A I mean, lot of I've them. done yeah. my time waiting tables as yeah. well, and I have to say, I, most of the chefs and the other lads that worked in the kitchen, I think yeah. they're ridiculous assholes. The
1: alcoholism and the drugs is very real. Like, you can't miss that if you're even a waitress.
0: I th- there's just such a weird thing with chefs and men who work in kitchens this kind of false veneer of ultra machismo and I kind of when I was reading this book I think I kind of figured out why yeah conventionally historically cooking has been a woman's job Right. Oh, yeah. If you want to go back to the beginning of time, right. men went out and hunted the meat because yes. they love meat. Right. All of these chefs love meat. They
1: love meat.
0: Vegetarians are gay. Right. Yeah. We love meat. Yeah. Men used to hunt the meat. Women used to cook it. Right. Now they're doing a job which oh, traditionally has been female, so they're overcompensating. With the, with the do- balls
1: thing, I've got balls. They, yeah. Oh my god, it's unbelievable how much they talk about their balls. And he talks about them talking about them. And he said there's this bloke that comes up and puts his hand right up his ass to the point where he's nearly penetrated. Well, him that's with sexual his hand. assault. Yes, yeah. it is. And then he goes, oh. he suddenly thinks I've had enough of it. He has a big prong fork thing that he's prodding some meat with and at just the right time he turns around as the bloke's hands going up prongs him right through the knuckles yeah
0: and he said he fell to his knees in pain I'm so pleased he did that and the blood's
1: oozing out immediately and um, he was a bit of a hero after that
0: yeah it certainly elevated him in the pecking order of the kitchen it's just that weird thing with men it's like hazing at universities they do awful things to each other to try and humiliate them it's
1: like prison it's like prison life and he actually says a lot when people are in those chef's jobs and they go, I'm in this chef job, I'm never going to leave it, so don't think you're going to take my job. They're called lifers. Right. That's prison. Yeah. It's nuts, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it's nuts. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's
1: really interesting, though.
0: As a man myself, I'm kind of, I find it all a bit pathetic. And then again, like you say, there's this chapter towards the end of the book where he goes to Scott Bryant's kitchen and it's all very calm and everybody's very respectful. They're still making all the orders on time. You don't have to behave like
1: that. Everyone's really happy in that when he goes to Tokyo in the chapter near the end of the book, everyone's lovely. Everyone's happy and friendly. They're not all stressed out. I get how it gets unbelievably stressful if you... If you went that way with it, because it's an insane job when he when he's talking about these what a busy night 300 in a restaurant, three hundred things like yeah,
0: I couldn't do it. Oh
1: my god, the order <laughs> and he talks about he describes it amazingly well, yeah. doesn't he? Various different kitchens, and it's mm. this is constant drone of orders, and they don't even write them down; they've got them all in their heads. And he's saying as well that chefs need all the different temperatures, so that at one table they all have to go out at the same time. So those chefs have all their temperatures in their heads because they know that's on. That temperature, f- to make sure that'll be done when this is done. Oh,
0: the timing. And that and that. Yeah.
1: And that's all going on. That's just one order. And they've got it all in their heads. Nothing's even written down. When the next order comes in, they immediately start on the next one. Oh, my God, it's...
0: It's an art form. Oh. It's, a, it's an absolute skill.
1: But you can see why the stress could lead you to at least drinking heavily after your shift. And the pain. I mean, it's not just the burns, but it's your feet, you're on your feet all the time. You can see how you spiral because if you're doing a 17-hour shift, you can see how you would then need a drink to wind down to get rid of the pain, and then you'd be exhausted, so you'd need another drink.
0: I get all of that. I get get why chefs are hard drinkers and they're on drugs and stuff. I don't think it means they have to jam their hands up each other's arseholes. Do you know what (laughs) I I mean? (laughs) That whole bullying thing—it's just awful. But then you wouldn't
1: work in that kitchen. You'd find the calm one. But the weird thing is, though, is that like, you are all right. Yeah, we, we wouldn't go any anywhere near it. But he was drawn to that. He wants that. Like, yeah. He wants to be a pirate in prison. Yeah. He, actually, <laughs> he was a free man and he chose. Yeah. He gets a buzz out of it. He oh, loves the camaraderie. I, he loves I, the people.
0: I totally get when that busy shift starts. I get the excitement of it. The puzzle of it, the challenge of it. And the camaraderie. The
1: way they talk to each other and he says it's like... Do
0: you know, everything I say about that stereotypical chef, a lot of who we meet in this book, I don't like them as people at all, but that does not stop me from being in complete awe Awe. of how they run that kitchen and put 200 covers on the table on a busy four-hour Friday night. It really is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Anyway, so he went to the Culinary Institute of America.
1: Oh, and, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and learned to cook. Yeah, back to the beginning.
0: <laughs> so he's kind of the first proper job that Anthony Bourdain goes to is this kitchen run by the infamous Bigfoot. He never names him. No. Online, people are suggesting names and stuff, but nobody's actually given a definitive Answer to who this is and he just seems to be this godfather of the new york kitchen scene Mm. really but he took a shine to anthony bourdain and he basically taught him not everything he knows but most of what he knew he really instilled that work ethic and he said everybody in bigfoot's kitchen turned up for work 15 minutes yeah i love
1: that yeah totally agree with that but also you can't you can teach cooking you can't teach character Mm-hmm. And actually, the first most important thing you need is somebody who's reliable and will turn up.
0: Yeah, because you can't cut good food if you're not, <laughs> you're not there.
1: there. <laughs> With exceptions, people like the Stone Baker.
0: Oh yes, the Baker, who
1: is the most unreliable human being. He'll phone up and like, "Man, my my flat's compartment's going to be repossessed," and I've got these, and he's obviously high. There's a lot of heroin, by the way. We haven't mentioned that Anthony Bourdain was a heroin addict for a lot of his younger years. A lot. There's a point where he said he's in a car and there's four of them in the car and they've just gone to score heroin. And he says, Oh, I was reading this article today where only one in four will survive heroin. And then he went, Aha! And he looked around and thought, Shit, there's four of us. It's going to be me. I'm going to be the one who survives. And he was. The other three didn't make it. And that's when he realised he had to get out of heroin and he did so it's it's
0: proper drugs and Mm -hmm. and it's
1: cocktails of them as well a lot of coke
0: thing is he goes to rehab for her and he comes out and he's on methadone he does that awful thing that people do when they've come out of rehab for heroin so he starts taking coke yeah because he doesn't think that you know he's rehabbing himself from heroin so to do coke is okay it's like it's the drugs stop taking the drugs let's face it When he was a teenager, he was already doing drugs. He said he's got a
1: criminal mind. Yeah.
0: I don't think the kitchen turned him into an addict, but it's probably built it up a bit. Yeah,
1: but he's drawn to a drugs world as well, a pirate drugs world. Yeah. Anyway, the the pastry chef, he's saying, is basically high on drugs all the time, completely unreliable. But you have to employ him because when he makes the bread, he's like this artist of bread. He just makes heaven you've just got to let him be himself so you get his work isn't that amazing
0: you're so good at something that you're invaluable you could be the worst person in the world you could be a serial killer but you make really Mm. good bread so people will employ you
1: but also he can still do it even though he's off his head and by the way a lot of these people have murdered people he mentions that a few times So and so was supposed to have murdered somebody.
0: Well, a couple of the restaurants he was in were mafia run. Yeah, but just
1: some of the general chefs. It just comes up every now and then. Even the one at the Dreadnought, his first hero was purportedly murdered someone. And he says, I didn't doubt it once I got to know him, but nobody ever went into the details. (laughs) It's just.
0: (laughs) Oh, one of the things he says when he hires staff, because when he ends up in that mafia restaurant, the Silver Shadow. Yeah everybody's really scared of the boss but Anthony Bourdain eventually kind of worms his way in so he kind of then becomes really the only person who works in the kitchen who has any form of communication with the boss and in the end the mafia guy kind of gets Anthony Bourdain to do his dirty work for him the hiring and the firing of people and he's good at it but ultimately it takes him away from cooking and running the kitchen because he's so busy doing the other stuff so he leaves in the end i think that kind of teaches him a lesson that you know you can go up and up but he doesn't really actually want to own and run a restaurant no he He wants to run a kitchen yeah Yeah. he's in it for the food
1: oh yeah there was a chef there who was the coke dealer for the mafia and he couldn't even cook so they kept him on though (laughs) but and so they didn't dare fire him because he knew too much He got rid of him by persuading him that he was much better off working the clubs and doing the coke dealing because he'd get a lot more money. And if he was actually in the right places, he could elevate himself and he needs to get out of this kitchen and do what he does best. So he
0: voluntarily kind of left and they were really pleased. (laughs) Anthony Bourdain, at this point, he does quite a quick turnover of restaurants and he's getting known to be the guy who can bring places back that are failing. Quite often, if a chef walks out of a restaurant because they just can't handle it anymore or they've run it into the ground, they'll get Anthony Bourdain in to kind of hopefully turn it around a bit. He does get a reputation in New York. Fairly, he's still young as that's happening. So he's really, again, just a forceful personality. He's going in, he's working in quite a few restaurants, but he's becoming known. Not just someone who is a brilliant chef, but actually somebody who can run a whole yeah. ship. He can yeah. kind of do it all. He's multifunctional.
1: Yeah, he actually is the right man.
0: Yeah, and he gets really well paid Yeah, to go around and doing and
1: that. It, it, it does take
0: 100% of his brain up.
1: Yeah, you got to have a hyperactive brain. I watched an interview with him this week because I wanted to actually meet him because yeah. I thought if he's on telly and stuff, I want to actually... See this man They were asking him about writing this book And he said He's not a writer at all But he's been a voracious reader his whole life And the first thing he read that he passionately loved That he thinks was his inspiration as a writing style Was when the Rolling Stones serialised Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas And he loved it And he loved the masculine, testosterone, angry character that was this man And he wanted to be him but if he ever wrote, he wanted to write like that. And that makes more sense of this book. And he said, I wrote this book never thinking the wider public would read it. I wrote it for the kitchen workers of the world because they will read about themselves and they'll love this book and they'll understand all the food references and everything. And he never, ever imagined it going broader than that. So that's why he's kept his testosterone fueled voice in the book because he doesn't seem to have that voice all the time outside the book
0: oh never eat fish on a monday in a restaurant
1: yes but yeah. that's in new york though because their fish markets are shut at the weekend
0: oh well, not all fish markets are shut at weekend. Well, i
1: don't know you see <laughs> now i only know about new york
0: you're an expert on New York.
1: London's my like shot markets. on a Tuesday. Yeah, right. So we can't give advice to British well, people. Well, do
0: you know what? We don't eat fish, so we don't have to ever worry do about exactly that. And he's saying he? things
1: like the people who order it over when it's uh, really well cooked, the steak. Well done. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then they get the oldest ones to them because Mm -hmm. they won't notice Mm -hmm. and it's just to make sure they're not wasting money on a 20 dollars steak or whatever it is Mm -hmm. oh he also says
0: hollandaise sauce as well yeah it's difficult to make so if you have holiday sauce at the end of the ship just know that it's been sat there for four or five hours
1: yeah and isn't it the one that's always made up of all the scrapings of butter off everyone's table
0: Yikes. Yeah, I think that And he said that's right. almost
1: always a fact.
0: Do you know what? This is one thing as well that I was quite surprised about. He talks about the bread going back onto the tables. Yes. Yeah. So the waiters, when a table I'm is left, if that. there's any bread left, they put it back into the, another basket yeah. and put it back on your table. I'm personally
1: glad to hear that.
0: Would you eat it?
1: Of course I do. But the point is, you shouldn't know. You shouldn't read this book. You, don't you, you this shouldn't book. know too much.
0: Madonna took her own eggs in for Caesar salad. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's Madonna doing, walking around with eggs? I don't know. <laughs> don't you mind that weird? Yeah.
1: Imagine this. Okay, where are we time-wise? Maybe? I don't know. We're
0: all over the place. No,
1: but I mean, oh. I mean, what's the timeline on this? Like, I would say that he... It's the that 70s he... that he's End of the 70s, him,
0: early 80s. And then his whole career, I would say, is 80s, 90s. Yeah. So
1: we're, like, going from Blondie into the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Not a sign of that New York. He's in a restaurant or he's in a bar... Oh, I kind
0: of, I kind of got because he mentions like CBGBs and stuff. He would talk about when you run a restaurant in New York City. He says what you would do is you would feed the door guys and stuff at the clubs you wanted to get into, and then they'd come to your restaurant and you get them a good table, and then you get into CBGBs on the guest list and stuff. I totally got that this was all coexisting at the same time as the other books we've read, just like in different.
1: Yeah, I guess he doesn't really talk about those gigs and they don't really talk about going out to eat.
0: No, (laughs) Everybody's on drugs. (laughs)
1: Yeah, they they are. That's the thing in common they have.
0: So towards the end, as he gets nearer to writing this book, he is working for this restaurant and that the owner sends him to Japan... Because they want to find out what's going on in the Japanese restaurant scene and what the food they're preparing to bring it back to uh, New yeah. York.
1: And don't they actually want to introduce a bit of the New York cuisine to their Tokyo restaurant as well? Because he said he was dreading it because he didn't want to be stepping on the chef's toes over there. He said that he just thought the whole world was really New York. Before this, he'd actually worked in an Italian restaurant and it had blown his mind because every order came in for every type of pasta. They made it afresh.
0: They made it afresh. Fresh.
1: <laughs> oh, they made it afresh. They made it afresh. He didn't even think Italian cuisine was very interesting and then he realised it was amazing when done right and it's simple and, and he loves that it was simple.
0: Have you made pasta from scratch?
1: Have <laughs> <laughs> Have you?
0: No. I've opened a tin of spaghetti hoops. Does that count? That's
1: pretty fresh. But, yeah, so then he discovers that... Along the way, he's discovered French food along the way. He goes to Tokyo. He thinks he knows food. It's not surprising him anymore. He thinks New York is the whole universe. He goes to Tokyo. He's wandering about going into any food place, trying this and that. He's just saying, I'll have what he's got and trying a whole new world of food. And he's excited again about life and food again. There's that bit where the host takes him to a restaurant, and they eat every single dish.
0: Oh, yeah. It's
1: a bit nuts. And everyone always says it's weird how much he eats because he's really skinny and tall. But they eat every single day. They're so excited. They're like, this is the most amazing fish. Oh, my God, I can't believe this is blowing my mind, the flavour. Right, next. And the chef's bringing him out a fish's head. He eats every single pie. He describes it, the brain, the eyeball, the everything. All that's left is the teeth and a bit of bone. And every single part of it is amazing. I know it's really hard for me to read that and
0: believe him. Oh, even when I ate meat and stuff, I could not imagine eating an actual head with eyes and brains.
1: Yeah, I know, but he's he's different (laughs) from us. He's not soft like us.
0: I don't think it's a soft thing, is it? Yeah, we're soft in the head. Is it?
1: Yeah. Anyway, and then what else did he eat now? Wow, God, something horrible like nailing an eel to a board and then they oh, filleted yeah. it whilst it was still alive.
0: I hate all they that. They love
1: doing stuff like that in Asia, I feel. It's kind of gross to some of us, but um. anyway, he's having an amazing culinary epiphany and he's rejuvenated mentally and culinarily. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then he comes back to New York and I guess he's kind of, you know, if we were talking in terms of, an actor he'd be a movie star at this point he's really well known in the world of in his world
1: yeah yeah. and as far as he knows because the end of the book he's going well all these people are out there they're working their asses off there's all these celebrity chefs out there they annoy me there's all sorts of amazing geniuses behind the scenes that you've never heard of if you wonder where i am i'll be with them and it's just a book written by a man who believes that as long as he lives, he'll be in a smelly hot kitchen making amazing food.
0: And I never, ever have thought of Anthony Bourdain as a celebrity chef at all, even though he's had this 20-year media career. I think people like, obviously, Gordon Ramsay and Jamie Oliver are celebrity chefs because at this point that it's all about the celebrity, not the chefing. They yeah. would make you believe otherwise because they open these restaurants on the high street which are basically like theme parks and they have their shows on tv it's all about their exposure their own face and less about the food i'd be interested to know at this point how much input jamie oliver or gordon ramsay actually even have in creating the dishes these days do you know what i mean Jamie
1: oliver's books outsold something like Harry Potter, you know.
0: Yeah, One Direction, Outsell, uh-huh. a, a really but, great band. I, mean,
1: I don't know if anybody knows Jeremy Oliver in America, do yeah, you? He's, yeah, oh, absolutely. Really? He's,
0: he's, well, he's global. Oh,
1: OK. Well, most people who cook have his book. So he is about food. People do cook with his recipes. The books he writes, I'm guessing, are much more accessible culinary things because the stuff that this amazing cook is talking about, Anthony... It's high-level, genius cooking, even when it's simple. I doubt doubt he could have written cookbooks, but he ends up being a travel dog. He ends up being famous not as a chef, as an ex-chef, talking about travelling and food, but not cooking anymore.
0: Yeah, no, so I think the thing I was trying to say about Jamie Oliver and people like that is just how mainstream... Yeah, it's basically his cookbook is for people like me who aren't really that interesting in food but they want to pretend they no, I'm are i'm gonna say
1: up a notch from you no yeah, uh, yeah. quite a few notches actually <laughs>
0: <laughs> no but i think i think and way I, beyond me i think if you were really interested in chefing and food you wouldn't buy his book
1: no i i imagine it is it stops at a certain level of craft you'd go way beyond if you were a proper chef yeah i do imagine that I can't think where, but I've been to somebody's house once and I had a delicious meal. And at the end, they went, Jamie Oliver.
0: <laughs> and I went, wow. And yeah, it but it was you... good. But I am a pleb. Was it cheese on toast?
1: Yeah, it was. I don't know what it was. I've, I've had amazing cheese on toast at the Ivy.
0: It was called something else.
1: Oh, Welsh rarebit, isn't it? Oh, bush.
0: is it? Or croque Madame? And
1: I actually did ask what was in it and they put some secret.
0: Hollandaise sauce. It had been oh, sitting there for five hours.
1: Mustard. And that would, mix it in with the cheese. Is mm-hmm. that all Welsh rabbit? Is? See, I don't even know how to make cheese on toast <laughs> do not do
0: properly. That at home.
1: Yes, I imagine they have changed. That's
0: it. so funny. So you eat cheese and toast all the time, <laughs> even when you go to the Ivy. I spent you seven pounds on, on one
1: piece of cheese on toast at the Ivy. It's the best <laughs> thing I've ever tasted. It's incredibly good. It goes right up to the edges.
0: Who's your favorite chef? Uh, the
1: one in South Park.
0: Chef. Yes. Is he? Yeah. He's not real. Well. He's a cartoon. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Who plays him?
1: It's Isaac Hayes.
0: Isaac Hayes. Do you know? Damn right. Do you know what happened about Isaac Hayes and no. Chef? Yeah. Isaac Hayes fell out with it's... Matt, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, oh, yeah. the people who did um, South Park. And a massive falling out. Isaac Hayes left South Park. So... <laughs> South Park turned Chef into a paedophile.
1: No! Yes. Who's your favourite chef? Um, You don't have one, do you?
0: Yeah, I do. Who? The one on the Muppets.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: Hurdy-gurdy, <laughs> deferred <bird> and <laughs> The
1: Swedish chef.
0: Yeah. That's like, we've no business reading this book. We have That's no business. That's our level.
1: Business. That's, <laughs> at all, reading this book.
0: That's our level of chef but knowledge. We've done our best. Yes. I'm hungry now. Let's get some cheese on toast. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thrift Shop Biography. We love making this podcast and we're absolutely thrilled that so many of you are already listening. You could really help us out by leaving us a review somewhere, wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you could share us, tell your friends about us or drop some links on social media. We have a Facebook page called Thrift Shop Biography. So make sure you come over there to hear about the episodes first and what else we're up to okay see you next week and if you're new here there are loads more episodes now to go and listen in the back catalogue so make sure you go and enjoy them okay thank you very much